0: Thank you for coming to the podcast. Top Turtle MMA podcast on FlowCombat.com is brought to you by my favorite place to get BJJ gear and clothing, ADK Fightwear. Head to ADKFightwear.com right now and check out all of their latest designs and deals. If you're going to get new gear this year, this is the place to go. Because not only are the graphics popping and the materials high quality, you're going to get them for dirt cheap. If you go there right now and use promo code TURTLE, that's T-U-R-T-L-E, all lowercase, Let me tell you what you're going to get. You can start by getting their arm bars and stripes rash guard for just 16 bucks. That's right. A rash guard, just 16 bucks. Then you can pick up their go green shorts for just 21 bucks. And if you're still using the promo code, you can grab their logo tee for just six bucks. That's right. Six bucks. That means if you punch in that promo code, you head to adkfightword.com, you're going to get a whole new set of gear to roll in and a shirt that you can walk to the gym in for under 45 bucks. You can barely even get a pair of shorts to roll in at most places for that. So check out those deals and so many more at ADKFightwear.com right now. ADK Fightwear brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. Daniel Gumpy, vreeland here with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com. And this week we have the pleasure of speaking to Shane Burgos, who fights Kurt Hollibaugh at UFC 230 on November 3rd. Uh, Shane, it's been a while since we've seen you fight, about 10 months now. I know you expressed some frustration with not getting offered a fight, but how much of this layoff was waiting to hear, and how much of it was taking time off to work on things?
1: Well, the first couple months, I'd say about... uh three months it was taking time just to, to relax a little bit let my body heal up for my last fight i've been ready to go since april i was supposed to get in there in july I spoke to shelby he told me we were gonna get in there in july and i've been waiting since then so i've pretty much been training for this fight since the beginning of may
0: wow since the beginning of may you've been ready for a fight so uh obviously that's frustrating um how has that taken its toll sort of on your training camp or on your training do you feel like it's, you know, made your body more tired. Do you feel like, you know, you're having trouble focusing? Is it, has it been, or has it just been frustrating?
1: It's been frustrating uh, because I've been pretty much just being a, a training partner for my teammates, which is cool. Don't get me wrong. I love I love helping those guys out. And that kept me fresh and motivated, but I need, I need a goal. You know and I mean, like I need my own, my own end date, my own like fight to train for. So uh, that was a little frustrating, but I just stayed the course. I I, I knew I was going to get something soon. So I just stayed ready. In hindsight, honestly, I don't regret any of it. I'm actually happy with it because I feel like I've gotten so much better in these last 10 months since my last fight.
0: Absolutely. And, and you know, you sort of mentioned in there, too, that, uh, you know, it was constantly just helping people train. Was there ever any near matchups for you that sort of became your end date? Uh, did you hear things from the UFC, or was it mostly just radio silent?
1: No, I mean, I showed myself at, at UFC in Atlantic City. Uh, I was there, you know, maybe a conversation at school. Um, and he told me we, we, he would get me in there late July, early August. So that was the, the plan. I was I was expecting to be on that um that Dustin versus Alvarez card. That was what, that was where my 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 eyes were locked on. He didn't give me an exact date, but he said late July, early August. So I was thinking, all right, late July is that is that date in Canada, and then early August is LA. So let me just start getting ready now. So I've been getting, like I said, I've been getting ready since May. I'm in shape already. I'm ready to go.
0: Yeah, and and you certainly are ready to go now. You, you mentioned in there, too, that uh, obviously you, you feel like you've gotten a lot better. You don't regret any of the past 10 months. And, and you know, people learn more from uh, losses than wins. But what was maybe the big takeaway from the Cater fight?
1: Um, I, I, I really, really, really wish I could just relive that fight, honestly. That was the first time I ever, ever lost a fight. The first time I ever been dropped. even in I never even dropped in training, so that was like a blow to him. Go to your ego. I mean, as much as everybody's sexy, say they don't have egos, but you're a fighter. You have an ego. You know what I mean? Um, it's not. A, it's not a bad thing. I, I, I just hold my. I hold myself at a high regard and I've just never seen myself losing, let alone losing like that. So that really just crushed me. But um, I, it just. I changed a lot of things in training without giving to, giving up too much, but it it, it 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 made me hungry on a whole new level. Like I've never felt a hunger like this. As corny as it sounds, like I know people say you get better from loss and you come back strong from loss, but I feel like I'm starving for a win. I'm not just hungry; I'm starving for a win. I haven't had that feeling since last July now, and I—it's not even—I don't want it; I need it.
0: Well, that's a good feeling to have, and and being starving for a win as a New York-based fighter, and having that place for your next fight being Madison Square Garden—and if I'm not mistaken, it's your first time fighting in there in your your whole career. As a New York guy, sort of describe what the feeling is like knowing your next fight is coming. In in the most storied stadium in America,
1: yeah, man. I like not even just in America. I feel like all over the world, people people know Madison Square Garden. It's probably the most iconic arena in, in the entire world. And being a New Yorker, obviously, every every New Yorker wants to fight in Madison Square Garden. I feel like every fighter wants to fight in Madison Square Garden. It's it's, it's historic. But um, my first three fights in the UFC were in New York. Uh, I was undefeated in New York. I've only had four fights in the UFC. Every single one I've had. I've been able to just drive to, and they've all, all been traveling, uh, driving distance, so I haven't taken a flight of that. This is probably the closest fight. Uh, it's only about an hour, maybe a little bit more if there's traffic, so this is going to be, it's going to be awesome. I'm going to pack the place out. I got two of my other teammates fighting on the card, too, Lyman Good and Julio Arce, and this this fight is, I, I'm, I was happy to hold out if it was for MSG, and I got MSG, so I'm happy with this.
0: And and you said you're gonna pack the place out too. Uh, how many? I gotta imagine there's a ton. But how many family and friends have hit you up for tickets already?
1: I mean, they they already know the drill. They know that I don't have any control of the tickets, so they they stopped asking me after the first couple fights. They're like, "Oh, gonna get some tickets." I'm like, guys, I don't I don't have tickets. I don't sell tickets though.
0: So. And and you also mentioned in there too that you got a pair of teammates uh, also getting ready for a fight in that card. Lyman Good and Julio are are uh, both fighting on that card. Fighters often talk about how beneficial it is to be sort of peaking at the right time with, with a teammate and, and how you both peak together, and it, it benefits you both. What's sort of been the most helpful part of preparing with those two as this date starts to get closer?
1: Oh, those are my brothers, man. I've, I've, known, I've trained with those guys for the past 12 years, and I mean, but I fought in the car with both of them before. I fought in the UFC car with both of them before. I fought in little local cars before with them, so it's just going to feel very comfortable. That's the best word to It's going to make me feel very comfortable. Because I've been there before. I'm not alone. I have my teammates. I have my coaches. I have my entire family there. It's going to feel very, very at home, very comfortable.
0: And, and given that fact, too, that you got two teammates fighting on the card – do, do you pay closer attention to when, like, things like a bout order come out? You know, are, are you hoping to be one of the early night guys so that you can rush out there and see one of those? Or are you hoping to be on the main card so you can watch him from the locker room and then, you know, sort of be the, the closing punch for Team Tiger Shulman?
1: Yeah, that, that's probably the worst part about fight, fighting on the card with your teammates. You you want to watch your, your teammates fight so bad, obviously, but you also have to keep your own focus on your own fight. Like, my last fight when I fought with Julio, he fought – a couple hours earlier than me so that was good because i got to watch his fight relax and then get ready for my fight that was cool he got me pumped and then but the fight before that my fight in july against uh, pepe when i had lyman and jimmy on the card i was up first so it's good to get it out of the way and i could relax and enjoy them so uh i don't know it's, it's gonna be i'm definitely interested to see where we are hopefully we're all like spread out on the card not too close so we can watch each other play but at the end of the day we really have to focus on, on our own fights
0: Absolutely, and let's talk about that fight, too. So you're fighting Kurt Hollibaugh, recently coming off a knockout loss himself. What's sort of your prediction? That's that's how we're going to end this one. How, how do you see this fight with Kurt Hollibaugh going?
1: I never predict the decision, obviously. I always predict the finish, but I'm going to go out on a limb. Uh, TKO, yeah. All
0: right, there you heard it. Shane Burgos fights Kurt Hollibaugh at UFC 230 on November 3rd. Shane, thank you again for the time. We really appreciate it.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me on, guys.
0: And that interview with Hurricane Shane Burgos was brought to you by BJJTclub.com. That's right, com. If you love to train and you love to show off your love for the gentle art when you aren't on the mat, then this is the place for you. They'll send you a brand new t-shirt with a sick, uniquely designed BJJ graphic each and every month. And there are no contracts, just a baller-ass shirt in your mailbox each month. Plus, when you use promo code FLOW, that's right, FLOW, F-L-O, you'll get 5 bucks off that very first shirt. That's right. So you can get the very first one, and it's going to cost you only $7.50. Plus, if sweet gear isn't enough for you, BJJ Tea Club is also charitable. When you buy a shirt from this company, they're not going to just send one to you. They're also going to send one to a less fortunate child as part of their Tees for Tots program. They're fixing to send a million shirts to underprivileged youth, and you can be a part of it. So be a part of it right now. Go to BJJTClub.com. I am Daniel Gumby Vreeland, joined here by my PIC, my partner in crime, Shockwave Dave Tremonti. Dave, Burgos took a tough loss last time out, but a hell of a prospect. So I'm just
2: excited to see Shane Burgos get back in there. The man was 10-0, then suffers a TKO loss to Calvin Qatar back in January of this year. And I'm always interested with, you know, hype prospects, guys that were 10-0. This is a man that was 3-0 in the UFC, mind you. Uh, beat Charles Rosa, who we all know is no, you know, easy day at the office. That was the fight of the night back in 2017. Now, how does he rebound from this loss? I always think of, You know, a young George St. Pierre losing to Matt Hughes. Uh, Obviously, Calvin Guitar is no Matt Hughes and it wasn't for a title, but how people bounce back from a loss I find to always be very interesting
0: their first loss, I should say. Yeah, and he seems to get a really good headspace about it too. And, and you know, you mentioned the win against Charles Rosa, which obviously makes him a, a huge prospect. You said three and zero in the UFC, which makes him a huge prospect. The other wins are not against slouches either. He beat Thiago Triftor and he beat Gato Pepe, which are are both very solid guys uh, in that featherweight division. So he's got like three pretty fucking legit wins and a loss to a guy who at the time was ranked. So, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what he does against Kurt Alba.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I also like that uh, he always seems to end up fighting in New York uh, for the UFC, although his last fight was out in Boston. But uh, they just like booking him in New York. He fought in Albany, Buffalo, and Uniondale so he might be one of the only fighters, if I'm not mistaken, to hit the New York trifecta of Uniondale, Buffalo, Albany. All he's missing is MSG now.
0: Yep, and he's about to get MSG on his record too, which is just friggin' awesome. Uh, I really think that the the UFC sort of tries to like book people regionally like that, and the only place they do a phenomenal job, I think, is New York.
2: Yeah, yeah, they do yeah. They I seem really
0: to they do. seem I mean, to get New York in like we gotta do local guys in New York. They they do all right in other places, but like New York they really do well.
2: Yeah, it's tough. I mean it must be like a gigantic jigsaw puzzle with who's injured, who's, you know, contract status is up, or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine trying to book, you know, regional fighters for a certain card at a certain date. Everyone needs to be ready to go. But I think they do a pretty good job with it overall. I yeah, don't know.
0: yeah, it's it's so, definitely not bad.
2: So speaking of regional fighters and traveling the globe, maybe the worst segue ever. UFC South Paulo sucked, but <clears> I <throat> guess we should at least talk about the fact that it was the resurrection of Little Nog, yeah. a future title contender. Gumby.
1: Fuck
0: that division's so bad, and he just <laughs> beat a guy who was number fifteen in the division. It's it's crazy to me to think that Little Nog at 42 is out there knocking people out. And, and some people claimed early stoppage on Sam Elvey. Even if it wasn't early stoppage on Sam Elvey, the dude fucking rung Sam Elvey's bell, who notoriously takes a really good punch. So I'm fucking shocked. Two years off, almost three years off, 42 years old, and he's still got it.
2: He still got it, he says. I mean... <laughs> It's incredible, man. Like, this is a guy who, first of all, he's 42, but he looks, you know, 100. not a day over 81. Right? <laughs> and this is a guy who debuted in 2001, uh, you know, the month before 9-11, not to get all fucking depressed on people, but that's how long this man has been fighting. He's fought in pride. He has wins over Overeem twice, <laughs> might add, and Dan Henderson, goddamn American hero Dan Henderson... And now here he is in 2018 knocking out Sam Alvey, who, you know, let's face it, we love Sam Alvey, friend of the show, maybe not a world beater, but goddamn, Sam Alvey is as a professional fighter as they come in the UFC, and he knocks him out, it's, uh, I don't know, it's LOL is what it is.
0: It it pretty much was the entire Sao Paulo card personified in that one fight, Like, what the fuck? Just that feeling from the whole night.
2: Uh, We'll move around the league a little bit. John Jones has been reinstated. He might have ratted everyone out. As they said in the movie, Goodfellas, (laughs) never rat on your friends. John Jones apparently has never seen that movie. He gets a lighter sentence for the ratting, quote-unquote. That's what we say on the street. Uh, But that being said... UFC 230 main event right now is Dustin Poirier for Nate, versus Nate Diaz, not for a belt. A lot of people speculated it would be Jones versus Gustafsson, but Dana White said Jones is not ready for November 3rd. Uh, what do you make of Jones coming back, and what the fuck is the real main event for MSG?
0: God, I, I got to imagine, well, we'll start with MSG. I got to imagine they're going to throw together uh, an interim fight somewhere. Um, it wouldn't totally surprise me if they just changed their mind and made Chris Weidman versus uh, Luke Rockhold for an interim belt. Um, you know, Robert Whitaker's on the shelf for a little while, and plus that tough series has to, like, shake out. So, like, wouldn't surprise me if they, like, run out of options and wind up doing that. But it also wouldn't surprise me to do an interim belt in either of, uh, Cormier's divisions, um, with him being, you know, like they could say, oh, he's a double champ, he's gonna defend this one first, so we're gonna do an interim one in this division. And, and if it doesn't work out that that's John Jones, because, you know, we obviously can't trust Dana White at his word, if it doesn't work out that that's John Jones, you could always do, you know, Vulcan Uzdemir versus, uh, Alexander Gustafson. You could do, you know, anthony smith versus ilor latifi which is you know super not like a pay-per-view headlining fight but you could find an interim fight out there somewhere that could sell
2: yeah um it's definitely interesting now as far as jones coming back uh what in your ideal world would be the best first fight back for him assuming we're not going to be at msg versus gustafson do you still run gustafson you do it a little later uh maybe i don't really care when but who
0: I sort of enjoy the Gustafson fight, but I think if you're trying to get the most out of John Jones as quickly as possible, which by the way I think you have to do, I think a fight at heavyweight would go a long way towards like building the the storyline to Daniel Cormier. You know, like you, you don't want to run him versus Daniel Cormier right away. Cormier doesn't want to run him versus Daniel Cormier right away. I, I think a really fun idea. Would be him versus Kane Velazquez if you could get Kane Velazquez healthy? Because that's got, ah. there's so much storyline there, right? Okay, now John Jones is a heavyweight. He's coming for Daniel Cormier at heavyweight. What's that going to look like? Plus, it's a Daniel Cormier teammate. Is he going to take out Daniel Cormier's teammate? in route to Daniel Cormier. I just think, like, the storyline piece is really interesting. It's like a fun, super fight-feeling matchup that we, like, never knew we wanted. Um, and I think if you're going to bring John Jones back, you got to bring him back in an exciting fight like that. Who knows? They could run... If Cain Velasquez was healthy, which that is a huge-ass if, you could run that one at MSG.
2: Yeah, I really like that. You kind of blew my mind. That came out of left field for me. I mean, it's something I think was talked about in the early 2010s when they were both champions. Uh, but I'd love that fight now, even still. Uh, for me, if I had my pick and I could wave a magic wand, I never was that into Brock versus DC. I love the idea of Brock versus Jones, just based on the fact that uh, Brock is so much thicker than Jones. I just think it would be interesting to see Jones doing, you know, graceful MMA versus Brock, just trying to take him down, whereas I think Cormier matches up better wrestling-wise, although Jones out-wrestled Cormier, so who the fuck knows.
0: Yeah, it's a weird weird body-type matchup.
2: It's more a a body-type matchup that I need to see, and I think just on a cult of personality level, um, you know, I happen to love DC, but I think just from, like, Two cowboys getting in there and cutting some crazy WWE-type promos. Jones versus Brock makes the most sense to me. Now, that's the moneymaker fight, more so than DC. Speaking of money, big rumor of the day we got to touch on before we get to our combat countdown. Eddie Alvarez is negotiating with one FC and they're throwing that crazy Chinese money at him. Eddie Alvarez might be about to get paid. This is as, uh, as of us taping on Tuesday night. So who's to say what's going to happen? I don't know if this is leverage, but let's just go with this. Is Eddie Alvarez going to sign with one championship?
0: You know, I I actually think he's going to, uh, and here's why. Uh, Eddie Alvarez has achieved pretty much the height of what you can achieve in MMA. He was a Bellator tournament champion. He was a Bellator champion. He was a UFC champion. He headlined pay-per-views for the UFC. You know, like he has achieved what you can achieve in MMA, and I don't think like another title run in the UFC would make his career feel more complete. So, what it's about right now is feeding his family and making sure his family's set for life. So, if the most money comes from one FC, which it seems like now one FC has got some kind of crazy financial backing right now, if the most money is going to come from one FC. They outbid everybody else for Ben Askren. They can outbid everybody for Eddie Alvarez, and he should go over there. You know, like, he already has a decent Japanese following because he fought in Dream a couple of times. So I think that he's got a following over there. They're going to pay him extra money. There's no reason for him not to leave.
2: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Because of the way Connor uh, destroyed him, uh, I feel like a lot of the bloom is somewhat off the rose with Eddie Alvarez. And I know, listen, he starched Rafael Dos Anjos, and I'll never take that away from him. And he reeled off three huge wins in a row in the UFC, Gil Melendez, Anthony Pettis, and Rafael Dos Anjos. Now, you might want to say Pettis and Melendez were on a downside at that point, and he certainly got them at the right time in their careers. But RDA was at the top of his game in 2016, and Eddie Alvarez caught him. Okay, comes back, loses to Connor. Now, he had a big fight against Justin Gaethje. Amazing fight, but what Justin Gaethje fight isn't amazing. He had a big win there. But then we just saw Dustin Poirier beat him. I guess my point is, I'm not mad at Eddie Alvarez if he wants to move on and go get paid at his age. We've already seen the Connor fight. We just see Dustin Poirier beat him. I've seen him matched up with RDA. It doesn't feel like when uh, Rory McDonald left. When Rory McDonald left, it was like a gut punch to me, and that was even coming off of two losses in a row, because I just knew Rory McDonald was still going to be, you know, top three at his weight class, whereas Eddie Alvarez, I don't necessarily know that if he sticks around the UFC, he's really going to remain top five. You know, I could see him being more of a gatekeeper. He's yeah. always kind of ranked around six or seven. So...
0: Well, and it's know. not just, it's not just to what's gonna happen to him in the future. For them too, I think some of the reason why it felt so bad that Rory left is because you felt like he had more to achieve in the UFC. Whereas like, Eddie has yeah. already achieved those things. Like, Eddie has already reached the pinnacle. Eddie has already been the champion. And like, now we're left wondering, like, could Rory have been a UFC champion? We'll fucking never know, probably.
2: Well, God, I still hold out hope. This is like another conversation for another day, that he will come back, and being how young he is, maybe we get him in a welterweight title fight before he turns 30. But I don't know, bro. All right, well, speaking of lightweight, which is what Eddie Alvarez is, uh, we have the biggest lightweight fight of all time. Uh, We're about 10 days away from it right now. So our next two weeks of combat countdown are going to be centered around Habib and this week we're going to kick things off with our top five combat countdown on who in the UFC right now is a future Khabib Nurmagomedov what do we mean by that who is a future eagle on the UFC roster right now a ground and pound machine a takedown artist ice cold blood who is Habib version two uh, and that's tough to be, because we know Habib might be the greatest takedown artist ever. He's 24-0, and he's never lost. Some of the people we'll put on this list have a loss, but some don't. And some really do have that potential to be that next-level Habib. So, Gumby, I will ask you, are you ready for this week's Combat Countdown, the top five potential Habib Nurmagomedov's version two? Oh, yeah. So, this Combat Countdown is brought to you by the best ball wash company in the world. What did I just say? I said the best ball wash company in the world brings you this combat countdown. We are now sponsored by Ball Wash. Ball Wash keeps the funk off your junk. It's cologne for your nuts. We live in a specialized world and Ball Wash specializes in keeping your nuts clean. I'm not just talking to you dudes out there, I'm talking to the ladies too. This makes a wonderful gift for your man. And when you really think about it, deep down, when you go that extra layer and peel that onion, it's not just a gift for your man, it's a gift for you. Because clean balls makes for a happy household for everyone. So head on over to BallWash.com, enter in promo code COMBAT, and get yourself 15% off your first order. BallWash has your stack covered you're going to like the way your balls smell. I guarantee it. Let's face it, Gumby. Soap does not just do the trick. You need a specialty soap for your most prized area. Go to Ball Wash. Keep your balls clean. They bring you this episode of Combat Countdown, our top five future Habibs. Gumby, that was a mouthful. I'm spent from the Ball Wash ad room. Let's get to number five, and it's the Zabit Mag- Magomed Chirapirov, Oh my God! Another fucking mouthful. (laughs) Not the ball wash ad read a mouthful, but saying the beast's name is a mouthful. Our number five as a future Habib, it's the beast.
0: Yeah, so, uh, Magomed uh, yeah, hell of a mouthful right there. Um, but yeah, we liked him on this list. He fell down the list a little bit because he, when he does get on top, while he is punishing, he's a little bit more sub heavy than Habib. So the, the analogy isn't great. Um, so he's got a few less strikes, but you can't knock his takedowns, his foot sweeps, and how easily he gets people to the ground. Plus, he is excellent at holding people there so few people are getting up once the Zabit gets him down so I think that he is like Habib in the way that he can get people down in the way that he can hold people down what he does when he gets there is a little bit less punishing but uh all together just a hell of a fucking talent
2: yeah I think of Zabit as being I mean obviously he's a much better striker uh, he's a little more, I think, risky in even his pressure and top control. I feel like he's almost a little more jitsy. Uh, definitely, you know, the trips are flashy, whereas Habib is more of a, I'm just going to take the single leg, I'm going to ride you down, and I'm going to ground and pound you like, you know, 1994 Dan Severn. Uh, so I agree. I think... You know, we'll see as this list goes on. It gets more and more close to him, but there are certain levels, or there are certain aspects of the beast that certainly remind us of Habib, and they both have a Sambo background. Number 4 we'll stick to the same region of the world, it's Mirzad Bektik.
0: Yeah, Mirzad Bektik, uh, you know... It- he was down a little bit on the list here too Because he does box a little bit He's got a lot of TKOs from standing Or KOs from standing He got that body shot knockout recently Which is pretty impressive You're not going to see that out of Habib, But his wrestling is very fucking legit um, You know, he, he did grow up in Bosnia Or he was born in Bosnia But he grew up in Nebraska So uh, he gets the wrestling background from there While some of the, the grappling background from Bosnia But if you're looking for just an example Of how much he is like uh, Habib. Look to the Darren Elkins fight. It is his only loss on record but he did dominate Darren Elkins by taking him down and beating his face in on the mat for 14 and a half minutes before Darren Elkins threw a Hail Mary kick and knocked him out. So you know I, I think that Bektic has got a lot of those kinds of stats. He looks a lot more like Habib in the way that he does it. He definitely boxes more so he's a little bit further down the list but still crazy good wrestler.
2: So, agree with everything, and now we'll jump to, I think our top three are, can almost be in ways almost like carbon copies, um, and so we'll take a big leap here, and we move to number three, and I, I think everyone makes the comparison already, it's Alexander Volkanovsky.
0: Yeah, so, like you said, when we made this list, four and five feel a little bit far away from one, two, and three, because one, two, and three are almost interchangeable, and Alexander Volkanovsky... I mean he's like a bowling ball at featherweight. You know he's he's 5 foot 9, which is a stocky ass featherweight. He said he used to walk around at 230 or 240 back when he was in rugby league. So like he is a, a big heavy fucking dude. And and if you look back to what he did to undefeated Jeremy Kennedy, I mean that's like all you need to see. He took him down and he beat the living shit out of him from from the bottom or from the top rather. And I, I just think that if you have never seen an Alexander Volkanovski fight, you don't know what I'm talking about, but it is very Habib-like.
2: Agreed. Uh, and the top pressure, the control from top, I think is the most Habib-like that we've seen. Yeah, he
0: doesn't let people uh, back up.
2: Right, exactly. We'll move to number two. This is like if you, uh, it's like Giant World in Mario Brothers. If you put, uh, if you made Habib two times his size, you
0: get our number two, Curtis Blades. Yeah, Curtis Blades, uh, and you guys spoke out on Twitter. Props to you guys. Thanks for hitting up my poll. Uh, you guys spoke out for Curtis Blades over somebody like Mirzad Bechtick or Alexander Volkanovsky because, I mean, his punishment from the top is maybe more devastating than Habib, and it might just be because of his weight. But, I mean – what was he in in Alistar's Overeem's guard when he knocked him out? Like that shit is crazy to be able to knock somebody out from a position like that.
2: Yeah, I mean, he lit his face up like a pinata. That was violent.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's so he's violent like that, and and it can't be understated too that like the only loss on his record, Francis Naganu, during a crazy run. And it was TKO stopped by a referee at probably one round apiece and definitely momentum swinging towards Curtis Blades. Uh, his eye was just swollen from an early punch. And now, coming up soon, he's going to get a chance to redeem that. So it's really exciting to see uh, what that wrestling is going to do to, to Nagano, who's shown that weakness.
2: Uh, we'll move then to numero uno, and it was a no brainer. I mean, it's in this fighter's nickname, Tabib, as in Tatiana meeting Habib, almost like Brangelina, uh, but it's Tatiana Suarez is our number one, most like Habib.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, when I, you put this out there on Twitter from our, our Twitter handle, make sure you follow, at Top Turtle MMA. Uh And and originally, I was thinking I had like three or four people who were at the top of my list, and I wasn't quite sure who were going to pick one. And the fans really persuaded me to put Tatiana Suarez at number one in this list because they were so passionate about what she's done recently. And the fact that she did it to a collegiate-level wrestler. Um, and, and when we interviewed her shortly after that fight, she said the words... She was only a collegiate level wrestler. Think about anybody in any other division saying that about somebody. Think about somebody beating Phil Davis and being like, well, yeah, he's just a collegiate level wrestler. Think about somebody beating Ryan Bader and being like, yeah, he's just a collegiate level wrestler. Think about somebody beating Rashad Evans back in the day and being like, yeah, he's just a collegiate level. That is some high level shit, right? Like Collegiate level wrestlers are not like all throughout the UFC. There's a lot of them but like that is a high level of wrestling and she scoffed at it like it was nothing and showed in the cage that when you are a, a world championship level wrestler like Tatiana Suarez it is nothing uh, and the most impressive part of what she did to Carlos Esparza is not how many times she took her down, it's what she did when she was down and that was beat her fucking face in uh, and for me that that makes Tatiana Suarez number one and thank you to the people on Twitter for reminding me of that
2: Yeah, I mean, I posted this on our Twitter a couple of weeks ago when we had her on the show, her takedown average, and granted, it's four fights, I get that, but it stands at seven and a half takedowns per fight, just as an average goes, I mean, that's higher historically than GSP, Habib himself, Colby Covington, and I don't see why that would ever slow down when you look at what she's done with these girls, and especially Esparza, who's been regarded as the best wrestler in the division up to this point, but Tatiana Suarez is a monster, and I can't wait to see where she takes her career. I would pick her right now in a fight over champion Rose Namajunas. Call me a fanboy. Call me just, you know, getting on the train right at the peak of hype. I don't care. I've never been more impressed with a female grappler in the UFC than her. Now, obviously, I was impressed with Ronda's submission game, her arm bars. But what Tatiana Suarez does to get girls to the ground I am more impressed with than the way Rhonda did
0: it and, exactly. and ve- very Habib-like too. She's really good at chaining pieces together. So like when, when somebody stuffs her a little bit, she just changes the angle. She changes it from single to double. She gets further underneath. She locks her hand. She gets the, the clasp. She, she trips, you know, like all of those things are very Habib-like she does. It's not a shot. It failed. And I back away. It's, nine different things coming at you at once, and when one doesn't work or if you get a little bit back up, she just fucking drops you on your head again.
2: That's such a good point, because I think with Ronda, she would get in on those judo throws, and she would literally do an attempt and hit it. Uh, And then you started to see, like, with Holly, when Holly shut that down, okay, she was able to light her up on the feet. And I'm not saying that wouldn't happen with Tatiana Suarez, but I think Ronda's takedown attacks were more base level and simplistic in that it was like a one-for-one. One. Hey, I'm going to get under your hips. I'm going to judo throw you, and it was one-for-one. One. It's binary, I think yeah. What, yes, exactly. I think what Tatiana Suarez does, she will change angles mid-shot, and if you stuff the first takedown, and she did this against Carlos Esparza, again, you can go back on her Twitter feed, top, at Top Turtle on the May and see this, Sparza gets a sprawl And Tatiana Suarez changes angles. uh, Asparza has an underhook, and Suarez still gets her down off the sprawl. And that is like high-level wrestling when you watch, you know, a highlight reel of Jordan Burroughs or whatnot. You see that it's not the first takedown attempt. It's not the second takedown attempt. It's the third in the same series that started from the first one, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And I think that's what makes Tatiana Suarez the most like Habib.
2: Alright, let's review it. Uh, our most like Habib, or potential to be future Habib's future Eagles. Number five is a beat, Magomed Sharapov. Mar- Magomed Sharapov. Jeez <laughs> week. Number four, little easier name to say, Mursad Bektik. Number three, Alexander Volkanovsky. Number two, Curtis Blades. And numero uno, Tatiana Suarez. If you loved our list, if you hated our list, let us know at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter. We're currently accepting both love and hate feedback on our Twitter. Gumby, do we have to thank any sponsors? Wrap up the show and get us out of here.
0: Yeah, so first, before we go, we'd like to thank all four of our sponsors. I'd like to thank uh, ADK Fightwear, uh, BJJT Club, uh, Ball Wash, and of course, Sisu Mouthguards for all of your support. We'd also like to thank Flow Combat for having us on each and every week. And reminder, you can follow me at Gumby Vreeland on Twitter, and you can follow the show at Top Turtle MMA. And make sure you follow both of those accounts for awesome contests and extra content. Uh, and we really appreciate each and every one of our followers. I was Daniel Gumby Vreeland. He is Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we will catch you next week.